Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Get up, get up, get up. It's the Get Up Show. Get up, get up, get up. It's the Get Up Show. Get up, get up, get up. Go silent. Get up, get up, get up. Go silent. Get up, get up, get up. It's the Get Up Show. Well, hey, welcome to the 10th one of these. It's the 10th Simon Says podcast featuring the Get Up Show, Sean and Charlie and Maddie. And as you may know, if you listen to the show or if you don't, we'll tell you we're broadcasting from our homes. We are in isolation or whatever you want to call it. Now we're like a real podcast. (laughs) Full lockdown. Yeah. And we've decided if I slip off into it, you got to remind me because we've decided we're not going to talk about the current situation in the world. We're not going to talk about the virus, the sadness, the Bro, hardships. you're doing it. You're even talking about it you're, by not talking about it. You're, oh, yeah, but we're not going to talk about it. I feel my mood falling. as you- <laughs> Oh, <laughs> come on, pick it back up. All right. So I want to share with you guys a story that we've alluded to on the Get Up show a few times over the years because it is one that whenever this guy's name comes up, it sends me into the deepest K-hole shame spiral of my entire life. It is the worst thing I ever did in my career. And I think that he probably remembers it just as clearly as I do. It is something that I should have been fired for on the spot. But I couldn't because I was the boss at the time. <laughs> you can't fire this? yourself. It was so embarrassing. It still sends me into white hot terror. And my face falls off the front of my head whenever I think about it. Whenever one of his songs comes on the radio. And about butt, what year was this? My butt clenches up so tight I could make a <laughs> diamond. <sighs> it was when he tried to come back. He was doing a comeback tour. A very small comeback tour, just him and his guitar. We well, didn't say a, who it is. I, I'm I'm leading up to that. This is, oh, this oh, sorry, is called sorry, sorry, sorry. Bu- building the story, a la Paul Harvey. But you know, feel free to jump in and kill the momentum if you want to. Oh, but, okay, um, <laughs> thanks. You're welcome. So I'm going to look it up and see if I can find what year it actually was. Hang see, on. See, the dog wants to get in on it too. No, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. This is all part of it. Ladies and gentlemen, this is called Home Studios. Sorry. We generally don't, don't have dogs it. in our studios. <laughs> Sometimes we do. All right, ready? Where were we? I was asking you about what year did this all happen? 
Let's say it's kind of a blur because this is when I was living in Raleigh and I've told you guys about my rock and roll lifestyle. I was living <laughs> near NC State. I was living right off of Gorman Street in real, real shabby off-campus um, housing. And I was rolling into the radio station, getting my stuff done, and then getting right back to the party. And one day the phone rings and the guy on the other end of the phone says... I have something exciting to offer you. And I'm like, cool, man. What is it? <laughs> and he said, I would love to bring by the legendary rock god, Peter Frampton. Oh, cool. Whoa. To your radio station. And Wait, I this knew. This is G105, right? Yeah, this is G105 in Raleigh. This was right after we brought on Bob and Mike. Of course, Bob Dumas, Bob and the Showgram were there until just like. A few months ago, Bob was there for 20-something years, and this was right after we brought those guys on. It, okay. it went from Bob and Mike to just Bob, and then Bob and Madison, and Bob and the Showgram for years and years so and years. So we're saying probably early 90s. It was early 90s, yeah. Okay. And I knew that Peter Frampton was on a comeback thing, and he had a record out, and he was going around playing little acoustic bits for radio stations. And so the guy called up and said, I would love to bring Peter Frampton by and I said, oh, my God, that sounds great. I said, don't just bring him by. Let's make this a whole thing. Let me let Bob and Mike know. Let's have him come by and play on the morning show. This is going to be legendary. So the guy said, oh, my God, are you serious? He loves doing that kind of thing. I'll have him bring his guitar. We'll play a couple of songs. We'll play uh, Show Me the Way. We'll play Baby, I Love Your Way. It'll be great. I would love to do that. I said, no problem. I'll meet you. I remember it was a Wednesday morning. I said, I'll meet you at the back door Wednesday at 730. We'll have Peter Frampton play live on the air on G105 for Raleigh, North Carolina. Nobody's ever going to forget this. It's going to be rock and roll history. That's super cool. Like, yeah. I'm getting excited just thinking about it. Oh, doesn't it sound great? Yeah. So I, I hung up the phone with Peter Frampton's guy. Finished my day, did my radio show, went home, resumed the party, and forgot everything about that conversation. <laughs> so then what happened? Then the days pass. That Wednesday comes. I roll into work whatever time. Don't even remember. The morning show gets off the air. And Mike from Bob and Mike comes and stands in my office doorway with his arms folded and is just standing there looking at me. And I'm looking back at him and I think he's doing some kind of a joke. And I'm like, hey, what's going on? And he goes, so, Peter Frampton. <laughs> and I go, oh my God. <laughs> oh my God. No, I'm so sorry. Oh my God, what happened? He goes, well, this guy comes to the back door, knocking on the door. We don't know who the hell it is. And we send the intern out, and he goes to the door, and the guy says, hey, I'm here with Peter Frampton, and there's another guy standing there with him with a damn guitar, and apparently he's Peter Frampton. And at that point, all I hear is, wow, 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 wow. I don't even know what happened. I don't know if they let him on the radio. I don't know if they sent him away. I don't have any idea what happened. I'm never... guessing 
the intern uh, being young had no idea who Peter Frampton was oh, and said, no oh, sorry, you're not on the schedule. Bye. That name didn't even <laughs> ring a bell. I never heard another word from Peter Frampton's people. They never called me back to say something must have happened. We're sorry for the mix up. How dare you? Never heard another word in my entire career from any of those people. And as you know, to this day, still terrified by that. The worst mistake I ever made. And the only reason I got away with it was because I was the interim program director. The program director had been fired and I was filling in for him. So, so they couldn't get rid of you. There was nobody yeah. else. <laughs> you didn't officially have the job, so you can't be fired from it if it's not yours. Oh, uh, is isn't that awful? That I have to imagine though that he's had that happen in other situations. Like this isn't his first rodeo. Like, I heard that when he plays a concert, he keeps an eye out for you in the audience, and if you're there, he turns the other way and doesn't play to you. I would think he wouldn't even go to the venue if he knew I was going to be there. <laughs> That's I the had, worst one. That's the worst story I've ever had. Did you ever have, or had you ever gotten thrust into the situation where you have to interview somebody in a band that you know may be popular or maybe well-known to some people, but you don't have any idea who they are? Oh, yeah. Because I had a couple of those when I was in D.C., there was one. Do you remember the band Mudvayne? Yes. Like kind of a like a hard rock band. We like were doing aggro a, rock kind of. Yeah. We were doing that uh, one of the shows at FedEx where it was like Limp Bizkit, the Deftones, Metallica, like like real heavy you know heavy metal show, and I'm doing my show live. And so they're like, "Hey, we got a band for you. These guys are gonna sit down with you." And I don't know anything about this band i don't know any i don't even know who they are like I, I i know the song that they do but i didn't you know i had to sit there and just kind of be like <laughs> like i didn't ask them a single question about their band or their music we just talked about stuff and i could kind of feel out that they knew what was happening so it was a little uncomfortable but it wasn't quite you know you know i forgot to tell everybody that peter frampton was there But still, you know, I'm thinking, Maddie, that might have been one of their best interviews because you weren't like, oh, dude, man, I really like your music, man. Tell me about this song, this song, and this song. You're just like, hey, guys, what's up? I didn't even know their names. I didn't even, I I was like, hey, Mr. Mudvayne One, I know that you showed up in makeup one time to a VMAs, but that was about it. I had another one that was probably my most embarrassing of all time, though because of how much I love the band, like the group. Mm. And it was um, the Beastie Boys. And we got to do a show in D.C. with them. And the the setup was it was a private show at the 930 Club, which was like a 2,000 tops, maybe, person club. Yeah. And they were supposed to play earlier in the night, but there was a really bad snowstorm. So they ended up missing their flight, but they took the Acela, the Amtrak down from New York to D.C., so we had to like kick everybody out and then we came back and like, so the show was supposed to start at like say eight, kicked everybody out. The show didn't start till like 11 at night. So I, I did the reasonable thing and I did my show live. And after that was done, I just started drinking and hanging <laughs> out. And so then the Beastie Boys came on and it was amazing and all this stuff. And then I'm sitting there and I, I still had my broadcast equipment and they're like, all right, well, come on, we got to interview them. <laughs> and I was like, I'm not sure if I'm in any shape to talk to <laughs> Music icons, the Beastie Boys, but ended up 
going into a back room and did an interview with um, Adam Horowitz, and it was great, and I loved it, although he was fairly disinterested, being that he had had a very long day. Yeah. <laughs> so when it's all said and done, there's the thing about the Beastie Boys, it's three guys, and two of them are named Adam, and one is named Mike. You know, it's not hard. Right. And, and, and they don't look similar, and it should be very easy to keep them apart. So, of course, it's picture time, and I go in, and, and I look at the beastie next to me, and I go, hey, listen, I really, this is amazing. It's such an honor. I'm such a big fan, and I really appreciate you guys coming down here, Adam. And, and it was after that moment I realized that was Mike. And that was the Mike. <laughs> the one guy not named Adam, and it seems so <laughs> stupid, but it was like after all that, I should be able to keep them straight. I was like, and to this day, I'm still mortified about the fact that I called, you know, the, the one guy not named Adam. I'm like, good job, stupid. What's yours, Charlie? Um, probably the most memorable story that I can think of was, and he's okay now, so I can tell this story. But my radio station, actually, the morning show guy, inadvertently tried to kill the guitarist from Hoobastank at one oh, wow. point. So here's what happened. We it was when I worked in Myrtle Beach and we had the House of Blues there. And that was incredible because we got every band coming through there. And actually, a lot of them came through often. So we became friends with these guys. Like, hey, man, what's up? You know, you're back again a month later, whatever. So Hoobastank had played quite a few times at the House of Blues. We'd all kind of become buddies. And our morning show guy, Max, rode motorcycles. And he they came by the radio station. They're sitting there talking. They're talking about motorcycles. Somehow... The conversation turns to the pocket rockets, the little bitty miniature motorcycles. Oh, yeah. And yeah. the guys are like, oh, man, that would be really fun to get some of those. And Max is like, hey, I know where we can get them. Let's go. So he takes the guys from Hoobastank to this sports shop, whatever, and they all get these miniature motorcycles. And they're riding them around before the show, after the show. We had this great picture of Max on his big motorcycle and those guys all on these little bitty pocket rockets. You know, that's just great, whatever. So they do their show. After the show, they're in the back parking lot at the House of Blues, and they're riding these pocket rockets around. And zooming around, zooming around, what they didn't realize was there was a part of the parking lot that was roped off. And so Dan Astor, the guitarist, he's riding his pocket rocket, zooming through there, hits that rope and basically clotheslines himself. Oh, God. Falls off, smacked his head on the concrete, had to go to Myrtle Beach Grand Strand Hospital and have brain surgery. Oh, Oh my my God. God. No joke. And we're like, we didn't hear about any of this till the next morning. And they're like, yeah, so... (laughs) Here's what happened. And it was, thank goodness, the doctors at Grand Strand were amazing. And they got the swelling off his brain. And he's, and to this day, he's perfectly fine. But every time I see a picture of him, all I can think is, ooh, sorry we tried to kill you, Dan. Local radio station almost yeah. kills. No, the thing is, whenever you do something horrible, they always get the name of the radio station right. Anytime you do something great, they say a local oh. radio station. But if you do something horrible, <laughs> they get your name and the radio station name absolutely right. Absolutely. <laughs> You were talking about, Maddie, you were talking about hey, the wait. 930 Club? Huh. Bruh. What? Hold on a second. I just got a, a sorry, a thing popped up in my browser and it said something about you might want to save. So hold on. Let me just save what we've done so far. I'll, Jeez. I'll, okay, go. You, you were saying? Yeah. 
Maddie, you were talking about the 930 Club. That was the dingiest place. They had the coolest shows there. Oh, my God, yeah. If you ever walked out back, if you went backstage and then outside into the alley there, you would see rats the size of chihuahuas (laughs) out there. That is not an exaggeration. There, uh, I, <laughs> speaking of which, that reminds me of a drunk alley story one time in DC where I chased a friend with a rat. <laughs> Ooh, oh, <God>. what? <laughs> it's fine. They thought it was a chihuahua. No, no, it wasn't even that great. It was definitely not alive, and I definitely picked it up by the tail and chased my friend with it. It's not, I'm not too proud. That night ended with me falling asleep with one. Of, do you remember in, in in DC they had um, this place called Pizza Mart, where they sold the giant New York slice for like yeah two two bucks. I can't remember how much it was. I definitely fell asleep with my door open. Oh, my friends just let themselves out, and I woke up just with a piece of pizza on my chest. <laughs> 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 just yeah. Hanging out, oh. but yeah, the the my, the rats in DC were amazing. But I love the nine thirty club was probably one of my favorite places to ever. And we saw, I saw so many cool bands there. It's still it's, open, isn't it? Yes. Is it the same place? Yes, it is still. I want to say it's on U Street down in um in DC. There's another place in DC that's famous called the Black Cat. And oh it's yeah. About, it's about the size of your kitchen. I was doing a gig there one time, and I was throwing out T-shirts, and they told me, be careful, you're going to knock all the sound equipment down, because oh. everything was right there. Like if yeah, you, you can't throw too high. <laughs> yeah, yeah, everything was right there. In D.C., I had so many near misses. Of course, you all know that I love Dave Grohl, and I had so many Dave Grohl near misses. Mm-hmm. Um, so Dave Grohl was a part owner of the, ninth, of, um, the Black Hat. And we went to see a friend's band play down in one of their uh, small rooms downstairs and uh, hung out and watched. Weren't that many people there. Um, And then I think I had to leave. So I took off. And of course, I got the call the next day. It's like, oh, man, you should have hung out. Dave Grohl came by and was hanging out and talking to everybody. And checking oh, out that sounds I had a Dale Jr. experience. that's the same. There was a, a local bar in Columbia, South Carolina called Locals and I used to go there all the time. And the one night that it was like, yeah, come on out, whatever. No, no, I'm going to stay in. I'm going to get up early tomorrow, whatever. Yeah, that's the night Dale Jr. was there hanging out all night. Well, you know, Dave Grohl lived near me in Alexandria. Oh, did he? Yeah. He lived in the same little neighborhood as Billy Bush. Oh. Oh. (laughs) Billy Bush. Did you ever have any near misses in in D.C.? Well, I had some. I, I ran into Dennis Quaid and Meg Ryan at the Daily Grill one time. They were out for um, dinner with their kid Jack, and they're both little people. But they walked right by, and I said, "I, I was like, God, I have to say something cool." They're standing right here, literally at my elbow, and I was <laughs> like, "What do I say?" I was like, "Hey, how you guys doing?" Right. <laughs> but right. then. I thought as soon as they got away from me, I was like, I should have said best Doc Holiday ever because he was. He was in the Wyatt Earp movie. He was the best Doc Holiday on film ever. Um, but you don't think of that stuff. I'm not that cool to think of that stuff when it's, it's happening. Yeah, it's too bad you can't like hit a rewind button when things like that happen. You go, whoa, whoa, wait, wait a minute. I thought of something better. Let me back that yeah. up a second. You know, that's why I always loved that Chris Farley thing from Saturday Night Live where he would be yeah. like, remember when when you oh, were yeah. <laughs> like the well, one that's... Paul McCartney in the elevator? I'm like, oh, that, that was me every time. 
Yeah. I was literally that person with um, Nora Jones. I met Nora Jones at Wolf Trap, and that's when she was the biggest thing going. And I had such a huge crush on her, and I used to play that album of hers on repeat all the time. And I was having a conversation with somebody right before we did the meet and greet with her, and she said, the lady said, I hope I'm not that dork who, when she walks out, I just go, oh, my God, you're awesome. And as soon as she walks up, I go, oh, my God, you're awesome. (laughs) Just like that. Just like that. And she's such a tiny, itty-bitty person. She's so beautiful. But, yeah, you know, in D.C., you were likely to run into people. It's it's the hub, you know. You get used to it, kind of. But Bushy was cool. Back then, Billy Bush was the morning guy on the radio station where I worked. And he and I hung out a lot. Right when he was first starting to do TV stuff, we hung out all the time. We played pool in his house, and it was it was no big deal. And then, of course, after he went on to be a big star, never spoke to me again. <laughs> Who? Yeah, Who are you? Sorry, I don't think never I, heard of you. I ever had. I don't think anyone I ever hung out with became famous. Not like that. Like I. Oh. You remember Booker? You remember Chris Booker, who was on Entertainment Tonight or something yeah. like that? He used to be on one of the little top 40 stations. There used to be like this whole, not a network per se, but there were all of these little really good top 40 stations all throughout the South. And I can't remember where he was, if it was in Myrtle Beach or if it was in Savannah or Columbia. I can't remember right now. But he used to be Booker Madison when he was doing Top 40 Radio. And he and I used to keep in touch with with each other. And then he became Chris Booker, and he was doing Entertainment Tonight or something. And we used to be kind of tight, too. And another one never spoke to me again. He was best friends with the guy who did Afternoons at at the station I worked at. And, And actually, Booker was with, he was hooked up with Jennifer Lopez's sister, Yes. And so they used to always have like J-Lo stories, but it was, so it would always be the afternoon guy and him. And there was this other guy. Do you remember Kane used to do, he ended up being on Sex in the City, I think at some point. Yeah, I remember Kane. I I mean, I didn't know him personally, but I remember seeing him places and I knew he came from radio. I got to party one night in in New York with, with him and my, my friend Tim and uh, a couple other people. And it was, it was just, it's funny because they all know people and like we're walking around and then we ran into the bassist of this band and he's wearing a dress and he's hanging out with his mom. And (laughs) I'm like, like, this is great. I love this world. Don't you think, though, don't you think that we're where we are for a reason? Like, I would never want to be in that world long term. I would never make it in that world long term. I don't don't stay up past 10 o'clock anymore. I can't. Right. I'm not not sure any of us would have lived through it. That's for sure. Oh, my God. You got a point there. I barely lived through this one. Right. Yeah, we we did some, you know, we had some pretty amazing shows. Like, that was my favorite part of my time in D.C. was the the amount of cool act and the getting to see some of my favorite you know artists of all time like bands that oh. I loved. Do you want to know what one of my claims to fame was in DC? The the band that I introduced DC to right on the cusp of them becoming the biggest thing in the world. Uh, who? The Baja Men who let the dogs out. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's something to be proud of. Well, thanks, man. <laughs> we did that show 
on Independence Avenue with the Capitol Dome as the backdrop right there in the middle of downtown, man. <laughs> and the whole thing, this was right when the song was getting big. I booked them right when the song first came out because I was like, oh my God, this is it. This is going to be it. Can you guys do a show? Yeah, we'll do a show. And then by the time it came out, the whole sea of people, 100,000 people, who let the dogs out? Then the whole sea of people, who, 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 who. It was great. <laughs> We had oh. Uncle Cracker on that on that show. We had The Temptations. It was nuts. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. We did, I think the one band that I got to cross paths with before they were really big was Coldplay. Before Ooh. they got massive, Coldplay was actually, uh, Chris Martin recorded the, the voicemail greeting on my home voicemail. <laughs> Fun. Yeah. So <laughs> that was, but yeah, you know, that was one of those ones where I wish I still had it. Like I wish yeah, I still right? had that audio. Oh, definitely. So when I worked in Charlotte, we did this local and regional music show, and there was this band that came from Atlanta, and they were called Soul Miner's Daughter, and it was a guy and a girl duo. And we're like, wow, this girl, man, she can sing. These these guys are really, really good. And so we played them a lot. And then she went off and started her own solo act. And her name is Jennifer Nettles. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Might have heard of her. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, but we like from the beginning, we're like, wow. I mean, she's got something different. She's got something special. She can really sing. So we did a lot of stuff with her, even had her play our local stage at the Weenie Roast once because we just knew she had this something great. And then she goes on and now she's playing Dolly Parton on television. It's craziness. That's so cool. Oh, who doesn't love Dolly Parton? Dolly Parton is now the latest thing on her is... You can uh, find her online reading bedtime stories for your kids now that everybody's yes. home during all Every this Thursday stuff. night she does it. She reads one of her stories from her imagination library for does, her kids. And I mean, I don't even have kids that young, but I'm still going to watch. Yeah, I was going to say, do I have, does it have to be for the kids? I'll just sit there and watch Dolly Parton read me a bedtime story. I'm 45 and I love that. <laughs> I love Dolly Parton. Do you think they're going to let Dolly do the, you know, Playboy magazine has ceased to exist right now. They're not doing a printed magazine anymore. Do you think that if they come back, will they let Dolly be on the cover again for her 75th birthday? That's what she said she wanted to do. If they don't, they're just wrong. I mean, why not? And the second bit of Playboy news that just came out is Suzanne Summers wants to pose in the magazine on her <laughs> yeah. 75th birthday. Yeah. Suzanne and Dolly's um, ventures in Playboy are very, very different. Has she still been thigh mastering? Is that still a thing? Do you think she's still like squeezing away at that thing? Oh, yeah. She's actually in amazing shape. Hey, you know, we had that thing about the guy who uh, broke the world record for crushing walnuts with his elbow. I bet uh, Suzanne Summers could use it with her inner thigh from all that <laughs> thigh mastering. <laughs> Look at all these walnuts. Just drop them in as I close. Go! <laughs> I used to be Chrissy. <laughs> you know, the thing about her is, wasn't she only Chrissy for one season and then... She wanted way too much money, and she got bounced. Was yeah, it? and then they had like two or three different. Um, it's okay. Then they had like two or three different people that filled in yeah. her spot. Like Jack and yeah. Janet stayed the whole time, but. But Suzanne Summers became famous for being Chrissy for a minute, and she's still around. She's still famous for being famous. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. Like, look at Pinky Tuscadero was Pinky Tuscadero, and you never saw her again. I couldn't even tell you who that True. is. But, yeah. Well, you know, if Farrah Fawcett was still alive, she was only on Charlie's Angels one season. 
Oh, I same, loved her. She same was thing great. happened. And she, you know, but people remember her forever for Charlie's Angels. And that and, poster. Yes. And for well, being married to Lee Majors. <laughs> sure. Oh, they were great. God, what a couple, man. Those two. Do you know that they were the subject of the original version of Midnight Train to Georgia? That song was written about them. Really? What? Yeah. Yeah. But it was originally uh, Midnight Plane to Phoenix, and then oh. it got rewritten. Yeah. And it was about them. It was about uh, he was a football player and she was an actress. Oh, what what a killer romance story for the ages, those two. They were so good looking together. And look at him. He's like 80-something, and he's still holding up. He's selling those bionic ears. He's selling hearing aids out there, <laughs> and I want to buy one. I'm like, yeah, I'll support you. I don't even need one, but I want one. Does it make that noise whenever you activate it? Wait, whoa, whoa. Hold up. He never had a bionic ear. He had a bionic eye. Jamie oh, Summers right. had the bionic ear. She's wow. right. Man spreading. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, so, all right, let's wrap it up. We will be back with you next week from wherever we are. I assume we'll still be live from me at my kitchen table, which I got from the Christmas tree shop, which I would I'd give anything to go shopping at the Christmas tree shop right now. Charlie at my corner um, pub table that I got from Wayfair. And Maddie's still in my basement looking for spiders. <laughs> Thank you for spending time with us. Tell your friends about us. Like us and share us and rate us. We understand that there's literally fives of people who listen to this, and we very much appreciate it. I like yeah. it. Thanks, guys. <laughs> Till next time. Any parting words, Charlie? Um, you know, I'm, I'm good. I'm going to go back over this long commute to the couch. I got it. Right on, Maddie. It's Adam, Adam, and Mike. Adam, <laughs> Adam, and Mike. I got it. And Peter Frampton, wherever you are, <laughs> I remain sorry. Oh, oh, and I hope Dan Astrin is wearing helmets from now on. <laughs> yeah. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.